Man, it is wonderful to have you here. Um, man, we, we are uh, on the final countdown. Men, three days. I told you I'm pulling for you, right? Three days, get her done. You, 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 can, you can make it happen, right? So um, uh, I, I don't know if you guys know, um, there, there are phases to this whole Santa thing, right? And I know some of you don't like the whole Santa thing, but I, I, I heard this, I, I thought it was really good. There, there are four different phases to the whole Santa thing, and I'm looking around to make sure, you know, I don't mess it up for, for anybody, but uh, the first is this, the first, the first phase is uh, you believe in Santa, right? The second phase is you question and then you, you're kind of like, nah, you know, you, you, and then you don't believe the, the third phase is you become Santa, right? And then I found myself, unfortunately, in, in phase four is you begin to look like Santa, right? And uh, with all the kids getting married and the grandkids around, I'm looking in the mirror, I'm like, it's a whole lot more gray and everything else. And I thought, oh, man. And, uh, you know, I put the hat on. I thought, oh, man, I, I, could, I could get a part-time gig, you know? So, but uh, it, no, it... But, but it's fun, it's fun, and there's all this great anticipation for Christmas, and, and, and we're, we're always looking for something, and, and in fact, uh, Max Lucado, one, one of my favorite authors, he, um, he, he really brought to light something for me this week, and that's the reality that Christmas is a season of looking. It, it's, a, it's a season of searching. How many of you have been searching Searching the internet, searching the malls, yeah, I mean, shoppers are searching for parking spots at the mall. Did any, was anyone crazy enough to go by there yesterday? Yeah, I just drove by on the freeway and I thought, oh, those sorry people, right? I was just praying for y'all. So, um, and then, you know, we're searching on Amazon for the perfect gift. Grandmas are looking. They're looking out for low-flying reindeer while they're on their way home. Uh, children are looking for a little red light in the sky, right, that might represent something on its way. And preachers, preachers are looking for new ways to tell the incredible ancient story of what God has done and try to find it in, in, and tell the story in a, in a new way that, that, can, that can inspire and grip us. And so what we, we've been doing is we've been looking. We've been looking and listening to the original playlist of songs that were sung at the original Christmas story on that very first Christmas. And then in the first two chapters of the book of Luke, we found four songs that are often overlooked in the Christmas story. And, and, but the reality is when Jesus bursts into the world scene, the world bursts into singing. And, and so we've been looking at these stories. In week one, we looked at Mary's song, the, the song of faith, where Mary allowed her, her her faith to be bigger than her plans, and she allowed God to have her life. And, and she trusted in God, and then she delivered the one that would then deliver the whole world. And, and then in the, the next week, we, we looked at Zachariah's song, and we met this elderly couple who had done everything right in the eyes of God. And, and, they, and they dreamed of having a family, but that eluded them. And their story reminds us that even if we do everything right, Things can still go wrong, and we can experience pain and suffering, but God is still with us, and we learn that prayers don't have any expiration dates, and this childless couple's prayers are answered in their old age as they become the parents of John the Baptist. And last week, we looked at the most downloaded of all the Christmas songs uh, the Christmas, in our Christmas playlist. It's the angel song where the angel sang, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, and we asked the question, where? Where in your life do you need 
real peace? Where do you need God's peace in your life? And it just seems that in a fast and hectic-paced world that this peace eludes us, but we can only truly find peace when we find Jesus. And today we're going to look at the last song in, in Luke's Christmas playlist. And, and it's, a song, it's a song for those who are looking, a song for those who are searching, so people who are longing to, for life to make sense, for all the broken pieces to somehow get pulled back together. It, it's a song for people who, who are longing for something to fill empty hearts and, and longing to bring things back together. It's a song that not many of us equate with the Christmas story, though, and it actually comes just after, like immediately after the birth of Jesus. And, and some people are, are looking for anything. They're looking for anything to fill the voids that they feel in life because maybe because there's a void at the Christmas dinner table. I know it's been a, a rough one even, you know, for us this season with my father passing away this last year and thinking, wow, you know, we, we won't. We'll have quicker prayers this year at Christmas, but his first Christmas in heaven, I'm sure, pales in comparison to everything that, that we will do. And the first Christmas was full of lookers as well. Joseph was looking for a room, and we know that that didn't work out. Mary was looking around the stable, and you had to wonder. She's looking around and going, you've got to be kidding me, Right? The shepherds are, are looking, they're, they're looking for a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The wise men, they're looking at a star and they're looking for guidance and they're looking for this newborn king of the Jews. Herod was looking, Herod was looking for the threat to his throne. But no one was looking with greater anticipation, I don't think, than this seasoned saint, this one who many overlook in the Christmas story. His name is Simeon. And he's the vocalist of, of the final Christmas song in our Christmas playlist. Now, when, when you think of the truth of Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us, God's become one of us. The, the fancy theological word for this is incarnation. Everyone say incarnation. Yeah, incarnation, it means God in the flesh. He took on flesh and we realized that the most amazing miracle of Christmas wasn't just that a virgin gave birth, it's that, that that delivery, in that delivery, the Almighty One, that Almighty One made Himself a helpless baby. The voice that uttered the entire universe into existence, now He just cried and cooed like a, like a baby. The hands that formed all of mankind now had hands just like ours. And the one who filled the vastness, vastness of all the cosmos was now confined to a body of flesh. Can you imagine what that must have been like for him? It, it reminds me of uh, Aladdin. Anybody see Aladdin? Right? The power of the universe in one tiny little lamp, right? I mean, God, the entire power of everything, confining himself into a human body. I wonder sometimes, did that hurt? I'm sure it ached at times as he walked among us. And for 33 years, he felt all the things that you and I would feel. I, I mean, he felt pain. He felt loneliness. He felt rejection. He felt hunger. He felt anger and frustration, exhaustion, betrayal, loss, temptation. I mean, he was God with us. He was God for us. And he was God. He was God like us, but not like us. 
The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing. He's experienced it all, all but the sin. And therein lies our problem. He experienced it all but the sin. We have the sin and we need to experience him in order to take care of that. And and with that in mind, let's look at today's text in Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 21, okay, this is uh, eight days after the birth of Jesus. It says, eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he, he, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, the circumcision thing baffles me at times as I read the Bible. I always wonder, like, couldn't have God chose something different? I mean, it was a physical symbol of belonging for the children of Israel. It it was kind of like our baptism of today. I mean, praise Jesus for baptism, right? I mean, it's hard enough sometimes to, as you tell people, hey, baptism is part of this plan, part of what God wants for us to do. I'm sure glad we've moved on from circumcision, okay? Because instead of having a baptistry, I don't know what we would have in the process. But I'm glad we don't. I'm glad God's moved on from that. I mean, if I was Abraham, it started with Abraham. God came down and he was talking to Abraham, says, hey, you're going to be my people. He's got this great promise. And the promise was that he would become a blessing to all mankind, and we experience that blessing in Jesus. But, but he asked Abraham to take all of the males in his household, and, and, and most of these guys are grown now. He says, okay, but there's one thing you got to do. You have to, you have to be circumcised. And if I was Abraham, I was like, wait, wait, you want me to do what? I mean, God can actually do a lot of things, but he's like, really? Like, I mean, what is, you know, this is kind of craziness, right? I mean, no anesthetic back then. No precision, sharp knives. I mean, this was, a, this was a tough deal. I mean, you have to really be sure that you're hearing from God, right? Now, in the Christmas story, here's what we are reminded that Jesus, God in the flesh, felt everything that we feel. He felt pain. He, he, he won't ask us to do something that he has not or is not willing to do. In the Christmas story, Jesus understands what it's like to be trapped in a body, in a body like yours and mine. Jesus understands your pain. That's what we can learn from a a little passage like that says Jesus, on the eighth day, Jesus was circumcised. He went through everything that we experienced. He was not just above it all, he felt it all, and because of that, he understands it all, and he understands what your going through today. Aren't you glad that Jesus understands what you're going through today? What is it that you're going through this morning? Whatever it is, you have a Savior who understands. He doesn't just see it happening. He doesn't just know it's happening. He feels what's happening because he has felt it before, and he can guide you through everything because he's been there. He's been there and he still is here. The the story goes on in verse 22. It says, then it was time. It was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. 
The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now you look at that and you think, like, what, what, what is this all about? Well, it's about Mary and Joseph following the Jewish law perfectly. And the Jewish law said that if, if the firstborn was a male, that you had to dedicate him or consecrate him to the Lord. That means set him apart for the Lord, give him to the Lord. Now, some people believe that it's part of looking back and remembering that, that in Egypt, that, the, that what released the children of Israel finally from captivity was the death of the firstborn. And so it's a reminder that the firstborn is really, really important, Right? And, and, and so Jesus says, hey, you, you have to give me your firstborn, okay? And, and so um, basically God said you have to dedicate them, consecrate them, kind of like a big like child dedication service, right? And so what they would do is they would come and they would have to offer a sacrifice. The other thing is because the birthing process, according to Jewish law, rendered the mother to be ceremonially unclean. So 33 days after the circumcision... Okay, what they would do is they would bring a sacrifice that would provide cleanliness, right? To, to take care of all of that. And, and, and so they would bring a sacrifice. And, and the typical sacrifice for this was a young lamb that was a year old. That was kind of the normal sacrifice. But in Leviticus chapter 12, we're told that if you were poor, if you couldn't afford to, to buy a lamb for the sacrifice, that you could just bring two turtle doves or two pigeons. So what this tells us is this. Jesus was born not into just humble circumstances. Jesus was born into poverty. His, his family was just downright poor. I, I mean, there, there's one reason we were pretty sure that the wise men hadn't shown up yet. Because what did the wise men bring? Gifts of... Yeah, gold, and then frankincense and myrrh, right? But if, the, if this would have happened, you know, after the wise men came, they would have had some gold, right? They would have just gone. And because it was honorable to bring this, you know, the, to go get a lamb and to sacrifice that to the Lord. But, but they didn't have any money. They were poor. And so they just got the two turtle doves or the two pigeons to sacrifice. And, and, and so the reality was, is when you, when you face financial concerns, when all of a sudden you're thinking, man, I mean, I'm just trying to dig out of the debt in my life. When you're pretty sure that you're, you're kind of uh, on the have-not side of the scale, remember this. Jesus not just only understands your pain. He understands your poverty. He, he, there is nothing that we can experience that Jesus, our Savior, does not understand. And it's while Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus are there at the temple that we meet today's songwriter, Simeon. In verse 25, it says, At this time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, and he was righteous and devout, and he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby, Jesus, uh, to the Lord, as the law required, that, then Simeon was there. Simeon was there when this whole thing happened. Now, 
A couple of things. He was eagerly awaiting the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Now, I'm thinking he probably had no idea that he was going to see a baby. For all intents and purposes, how, were they, how was Israel going to be rescued? I mean, what did they need rescuing from? Well, well, most of them believe they need rescuing from being out from under the oppression of the Romans. So I'm guessing that even Simeon may have thought, hey, you know, I'm looking for a conquering hero. I'm looking for the one who's going to come and release all of this, who's going to be this mighty warrior. And we know that a lot of people got stuck in that in Jesus' day, but that's not who came. That's not who he saw. We aren't told how long it had been since the Holy Spirit had told Simeon that he was going to see the Messiah before he died. We don't know if it's been years and years and years or months or anything like that. All we know is this, is that Simeon, from that point on, lived with incredible expectation. I mean, could you imagine what that would have been like? I I mean, for God to come and say, hey, you aren't going to die until you see this. you're, You're going to see the Messiah. I mean, what would that have set in motion in your life? I mean, you would be searching every single day, wouldn't you? I mean, you'd be going, wow, where, you know, where is he? I mean, no rock left unturned, right? You'd be like, wow, I want to see, I want to find this Messiah. The reality is, is he didn't have to just go searching. God brought him to him. And it's this incredible story about how Simeon has this life of anticipation. And really, that's what Advent is all about. Advent, it means the arrival. And it's looking forward to the arrival. And that's really what Christmas is all about. I was out talking to some children this morning out on the patio. Man, you can almost feel the anticipation growing, right? I mean, if you've got little ones in the house, okay, whether your little ones are five or 25 or 55, there's this great anticipation about what's going to happen in three days, right? I mean, some of you will have to travel to get there. Some of you are just praying that, you know, you can sleep through some of it. But but the reality is, is there's this great sense of anticipation that comes. And sometimes anticipation gets the best of us, doesn't it? It, it, I was reminded of uh, when, when we were Growing up, we were in high school. Our neighbors across the street, their kids got so anxious about Christmas, and they started to see the presents start to pile up under the tree. So every day, you know, they would go and they would they would look on the on the little tags, right? And like, oh, that one's mine. That one's yours. This was, you know. And they saw all the presents. And then one night, the mom and dad went to uh, dad's Christmas work party, and the kids decided they thought to themselves, we can open all these up and then rewrap them. And they did. Now, the rewrap job wasn't quite the same as the beginning. And so when mom and dad came home and they realized what had happened, mom took all the presents back. Yeah, so kids, if you're in the room, don't try this, okay? But there's this incredible anticipation that happens. And so like children who anticipate Christmas, Simeon lived in this incredible anticipation of the world's greatest gift, that would ever come to us, that we would ever receive. And and you you wonder if he woke up every morning with these two words on his mind. Perhaps today. Perhaps today. Maybe today's the day. I mean, what is the place in your life 
that you've been waiting for. Not just Christmas. Where have you been waiting for for God to break through or to come through? Where's the place where deep down inside you just know that you're just not going to make it unless God shows up in a powerful way? Do you need need healing today? Well, according to God's word, perhaps today is that day of healing. Have you been waiting on a job? Well, perhaps today. Are you waiting for a relationship to be restored, or are you just waiting for a relationship? Perhaps today. Or have you been waiting and putting off accepting Jesus Christ as Lord? Because perhaps today is your day. Because Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came to to fill all of the gaps that we have. Jesus came to take the broken pieces uh, of our lives and and to put them back in in order. He came to take our sin and release us from it, to free us from the death that comes with sin and to give us a new life. Maybe you've been feeling prompted to, to be baptized. Well, Maybe today is your day, and I know it's going to be that day for someone today, and we're going to get to celebrate that soon. We, we already are, are excited about what God is doing. The, the water's warm. Maybe today's your day. Maybe today's the day that you need to just say yes to following Jesus. Simeon did. Simeon said yes to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and he, he headed to the temple. He headed to the temple, and you have to wonder what that was like. We, we don't know how the Holy Spirit prompted him. We just know that the Holy Spirit said, today is the day. And he heads to the temple. And, and, and you could imagine as he's walking through the temple courts, right, this, this grand, incredible building, the biggest building in, in the whole, you know, basically almost world at that time, and he's walking into the temple courts, and you have to wonder, what was he looking for? You wonder if a couple times he, he, he kind of wandered around and was looking and just, you know, maybe his eyes caught Mary and Joseph at one part. All we know is this, that eventually he ended up standing in front of Mary and Joseph. I mean, he's standing there in front of, of Mary and Joseph, and, and he must have had a, kind of this spring in his step that day. And then when he stands in front of Mary and Joseph and he he puts his arms out as to, to say, can, can I hold him? And you got to wonder at that moment if Mary and Joseph had any clue what was going on. This strange old guy comes up and just says, hey, can, can I hold the baby? And I just picture Mary kind of glancing up at Joseph and going like, I, I don't know, is this all right? And then she places the baby in his arms and then the Bible says this, Simeon took him in his arms And praised God. This is where the song comes in. He praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. How how did... Simeon, no. No one else. I mean, think about how many people just bypassed Mary and Joseph and Jesus that day. 
having no idea that the savior of the world was in the arms of a little teenage girl. But that same spirit that told him that he would see the Messiah said, hey, this is the Christ. The song uh, that we sing in, in Latin, um, it's called the Nunc Dimittis, which means now dismiss. Because, listen, I mean, the words of Simeon, he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I mean, what is he really saying there? He's saying, hey, now that I've seen the Messiah, I can die in peace. I mean, the word now, I I was just thinking about that. You know, there's a lot of meaning in the little words now. And I I looked it up, and in the original language, now means what? Now. It means like at this moment. I mean, think about what he's saying there. I mean, all he knows is he's been hearing from the Holy Spirit. He knows he's going to see the Christ before he dies. I mean, does does he even stop to wonder Like, if I say those words, now that I've seen the Christ, is it just all over? Is he going to just drop dead on the spot? But whatever happens, he says, now, now, from this moment forward, now I can go in peace. From the moment of laying his eyes on the one that would save the world, he can live or die in peace. The question is, where are you now? Are you in that place? Can you you identify with the words of Simeon and say, now I'm ready? Now I can live at peace? Now, no matter what happens from this moment forward, now because I have behold the Christ, now because Christ is part of my life, now... All things are good. Now, it may be tough. Things might be difficult, just like Zachariah and Elizabeth. We can still experience difficulty, but now he can die in peace. If you can't say that today, then maybe today, perhaps today, is the day that from this moment onward, you can say, I can live or I can die in peace. Because now we stand in a new place in history. See, because the long-awaited Messiah had come. I mean, he had come and now things were going to be different. Now there was hope for the world. Now there is salvation. Now we have a Savior. And I love what Max Lucado says. He says, God has a timeline But because of the stable in Bethlehem, we can have an idea of where we stand on that timeline of history. You are no longer, none of us are standing in that period of waiting for the first arrival of Christ. But like Simeon and others, we're awaiting a second arrival, aren't we? Because God's word promises that the Messiah will come again, that the Savior will come, that Jesus will return. There is a second advent. And we're in this period of time between the time when Christ was born and the time that he'll return. We know that we're somewhere in there in history. And all we know is this, is we're closer to the second advent than we were yesterday. 
And we're getting closer every day. And perhaps today is the day that you need to say, I need to get ready for the second one. Because maybe a lot of times we've been banking on the first one. Yeah, yeah, that's a great story. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, I want God to, to bring peace to my life. Yeah, all this stuff. But have you really made him Lord? Have you accepted him? And, and can you say like Simeon? Now. Now you can dismiss your servant in peace. Perhaps today that waiting will end. Because we don't know. Christ could return today. I mean, the first time he came... He came quietly to a little town called Bethlehem, right? And very few people saw him. The second time he returns, he, he's going to return, and it won't be so quiet. The word of God tells us that he'll come with a blast of the trumpet and the, and the shout of the archangel. The first time, only a few people were there. The next time, the entire world will know. The first time, just a few lonely shepherds and a few wise men bowed down to worship him the second time every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord are you ready because perhaps today is the day that you can say yes First Thessalonians 4.16 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with commanding shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and first the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with him forever. Are you excited about that second coming? I mean, what if he threw a wrench in your plans and we didn't make it to this Christmas? Are you okay with that? Yeah? The bigger question is, are you ready for that? Perhaps today. The question isn't so much how Jesus is going to come back. The question really today is this, are you ready for him to come back? Because that coming, perhaps today. Today could be that day. So make the day that you can say that you are ready for that return. Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verses 1-2 says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets in many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. In the, in the, he says, we are now, now that Jesus has come, now we are in the last days of this part of the history on the timeline. I mean, and we, we don't know, Jesus could, Jesus could come today. I, I, I don't know about you, but... I don't know if there's anyone else in here. I, even as a child, I had this crazy, uncanny feeling that, man, I, I, I'm going to be alive when Jesus comes back. Now, I don't know that's true. The Holy Spirit hasn't told me that. But, man, what an amazing sight that would be, right? I mean, anybody else want a front row seat for that? <laughs> Simeon was waiting. He was waiting for Jesus. And now that Jesus has come, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Because perhaps today, maybe today you will claim him as Lord. Maybe today you'll put your trust in his promises. Maybe today you will obey him. And maybe today, as he gave us his life, maybe today you'll give him yours. Perhaps today is your day. 
Today, like every week, we, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And we're reminded that not only did Jesus come, but that Jesus died for us on the cross. He died so that our sins could be removed, so that we could be set free. And, and, and today, quite possibly, could be the day for you to say yes. And so, this morning, as the emblems are passed, they remind us of the incredible gift of Jesus. That Jesus, you know, not only was born, not only was circumcised, not only grew up to be a man and performed all the miracles and teaching, and, but that Jesus went to a cross and the cup represents his blood that he spilled for us to wash over our sins. The, the bread represents his broken body that was broken for us so that, so that he could take our brokenness and put us back together through his grace. And this morning as you're taking communion, or, or maybe this morning what you need to do is just ask yourself, am I ready? Perhaps today. And, and if you've got any kind of nagging feeling that, boy, I, I don't know if I'm ready today. I don't know if Jesus came back today, if I could say like Simeon that I can go in peace. If today you don't know that for sure, then, then I would implore you today to make today your day. And I'll be sitting right up front. I'm going to ask any of our church staff and, and our elders and their spouses to just come and sit up front. Um, and if you want to talk to somebody, then even while the trays are being passed, even while we sing later, just come. Come and say, I, today is my day. That's all you've got to say. We'll take it from there, right? Today is my day. If today you need prayer, to, if today you need hope, if today you need anything, then come. Because Jesus came to provide all of that. And perhaps today, he's going to do in your life what you've always longed for him to do. So perhaps today, make a decision to obey him. We've already got one who's going to do that, and man, we are going to celebrate but perhaps today is your day as well. So if you need to come during communion, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Just come. He came for us. Let's move for him. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grace of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for the reality that, that Lord, perhaps today your son will return. And perhaps today someone will give their life to Jesus because you gave your life for us. Father, thank you for the greatest gift we could ever imagine. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much that you gave your son. Thank you, Father, that we can commune with you. Thank you that you remove our sin, take away our shame, and give us real life. We thank you, Father, and praise you in the name of your son, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.